Welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for October the 29th of 2020. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams, and this is a daily gaming news podcast meant to bring you the hottest news you need to know from around the industry. Hosted on YouTube and podcast services around the world five days a week, it is your one-stop shop for everything you need to know. So if you enjoy the show and you like what you see, hit that subscribe button and keep coming back for more. But we got some pretty big news in the PC gaming space yesterday. AMD's newest graphics cards have been revealed, and they start at $579. Now, a lot of people just said that's not $499, and that's what I said as well. But the value proposition lies in the two top tier cards rather than the bottom one. It could be time to switch to AMD for some people. Now, before we dive into this, I do want to say I'm not a Linus Tech Tips, I'm not a Hardware Canucks, I am not going to be a Jay's Two Cents. If you want benchmarks and you want in depth testing, that's where you go for that. I read articles and I give my two cents on them. Ultimately, I'm trying to help you pick a graphics card if you are in the market for building a gaming PC, and AMD is giving a pretty good value proposition for the higher end. Now diving directly into the benchmarks, these are provided by AMD, so take them with a grain of salt. But with that being said, if you look at what you are getting here from the direct competitor to the RTX 3080, you are getting better power efficiency in the 6800 XT by about 20 watts. Does that matter for the majority of players? Probably not. But with that being said, let's move on. You have gains in some titles. Forza Horizon 4 sees some gains. Battlefield 5 sees some gains. Shadow of the Tomb Raider, Gears 5. Then you have Call of Duty Modern Warfare with pretty considerable gains here. But ultimately, you do see some drops as well in games like Division 2, RE3, Wolfenstein, Youngblood. And the same can be said for the direct competitor to the 3090, the 6900 XT. You see a large jump for Forza Horizon 4, a pretty considerable jump for Battlefield 5, then marginal improvements in games like Borderlands 3 and Modern Warfare. But again, those drops do exist in games like Division 2, RE3, and Wolfenstein Youngblood. But checking out the direct comparisons here, the losses are not that heavy when it really comes down to it in the games that do get impacted. And again, it is best to wait and see how things are impacted in the long run in infield testing. And then you have the entry-level card, the 6800. This is essentially going to be the equivalent of the 3070. This is being compared to a last-gen 2080 Ti, which it is worth mentioning was a card that I believe was $1,300 just about one year ago. And this, again, is going to be starting at 579 That price needs to drop on AMD's side to compete with the 3070, which is essentially putting up very similar benchmarks here to the 2080 Ti. But there is justification for the price as well. We'll talk about that more in a moment. Uh, but you can directly see the gains. If you are upgrading from a 2080 Ti, you are getting, uh, it looks to be anywhere between uh, 15 and 20 extra FPS in most titles. Some see marginal improvements like Division 2. Uh, but ultimately, that is where you are really going to be experiencing some pretty impressive gains. On top of that, this is the first time that AMD is essentially going to be on the same bar as NVIDIA when it comes to hardware-based ray tracing. Uh, software solutions are still heavily relied on, but ultimately AMD has not been able to compete directly, so this is going to really change the game when it comes to what they are able to accomplish in titles that support ray tracing going forward. 
Now, Microsoft was also fast to point out that this is going to be fully taken advantage of in the Xbox Series X hardware, so the experience you see here on the 6800 is probably going to be pretty comparable to what to expect from next-gen titles. Uh, but ultimately, why is the 6800 a little bit more expensive? And it really comes down to the VRAM. It has more VRAM than the 3070 by a considerable amount. Uh, and when it really you know, comes down to brass tacks, is it going to make a difference? It depends on how developers leverage that power. As you can see, AMD might have the edge if higher amounts of VRAM in each class are your selling point. The RX 6800 16 gigs of GDDR6 VRAM doubles that of Nvidia's comparable 3070, but it is also, in the other cards, not the GDDR6X VRAM, which has a bit more to give. So with all that being said, what are the prices? This is really the graph that a lot of people are going to be concerned about here. The 6800 starts at 580, the 3070 starts at 500. The 6800 XT, which is essentially the 3080, starts at 650, while the 3080 proper starts at 700. Then, then you have the 6900 XT, which starts at $1,000, then you have the 3090 at 1500. That's going to be the big value proposition because if you are building a very powerful gaming rig, a $1,000 graphics card is a much more welcoming price point than a $1,500 graphics card. That saves you a lot of cash. Now, ultimately, the games need to be tested. Ultimately, the hardware pros need to get their hands on this. But AMD is coming out strong uh, with a very promising offering. And as I look forward to 2021, whenever I'm going to be either improving my gaming PC or rebuilding one from scratch, uh, I really do consider an AMD build because they have some pretty impressive technology that is worth considering. This year was going to be the year that I get an Xbox Series X and more than likely a PlayStation 5. And then once we recuperate some of that cash, a PC is going to be in the works since Game Pass takes advantage of so many good offers. Uh, and on top of that, PC gaming is just really looking uh, great you know, when it really comes down to it. So now all these benchmarks are comparing 4K 60fps, so of course you are going to be getting fantastic performance if you are on anything like 1080p or 1440p. In fact, most of these cards are going to be overkill for you. But there you have it, that is what AMD is bringing to the table, and I really hope they get this price down from 579 for the 6800. That feels like a $500 graphics card, and if you couple the benefit of having that extra VRAM with a comparable price point, uh, you are certainly going to be getting a lot more people on board. But moving on, Nintendo also had a mini direct yesterday that showcased what they have planned for the rest of the year and a little bit after. Nintendo dropped another surprise mini direct this morning and then it announced some big games coming to Switch via cloud streaming as well as a release date for Bravely Default 2. It has been delayed but only by a few months. Here is everything they talked about. Control is out today on Switch via cloud streaming in the same fashion that we saw the Japanese Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Resident Evil 7 get the treatment. Of course you can check that out now on your Nintendo Switch. Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity now has a free demo ahead of its release on November the 20th next month. Of course, this is the Breath of the Wild prequel that is a Dynasty Warriors style title. Then Immortals Phoenix Rising was shown running on the Switch. Looked pretty good. Bravely Default 2 is now coming out on February the 26th of next year if you have been looking forward to that. 
New footage of the game showed players fighting enemies called Asterisk Bears, which seemed all too fitting. Switch is getting another Story of Seasons, which is basically Harvest Moon. It is called Story of Seasons, Pioneers of Olive, and will come out on March 23rd of next year. No More Heroes 3 is still coming in 2021, has been delayed due to the pandemic. Hitman 3 is coming to Switch, also compliments of the cloud. This one is another shocker. Out on PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Series X and S, and PC this January, Agent 47 will now be playing Dress Up on Switch as well thanks to streaming. The makers of Kirby are bringing part-time UFO to Nintendo Switch. HAL Laboratories works in where you play as a UFO trying to make it in the gig economy by doing odd jobs first came to iOS back in 2018. It has all the color and charm of a Game Boy Advance game, and the Switch version looks like it has a few extra bells and whistles, including co-op by passing around the Joy-Con and some Kirby-related Easter eggs. It goes up on the eShop sometime yesterday, so it should be out now. And the Switch is getting some more notable ports, including Tropico 6 on November the 6th, Apocalyptic Coping Game, Surviving the Aftermath is coming in Spring 2021, and Griftlands, a deck-building roguelite, is coming out next summer. And of course, you can check out the entire mini-direct on YouTube if you would like. The big news here is the streaming tech. Control running on Nintendo Switch is pretty impressive because that pushes the boundaries of what even high-end PCs are capable of. Uh, and so to see the streaming tech be implemented on Nintendo's little handheld that could, uh, that's some pretty impressive stuff. Now, I've seen some people saying it's not a good experience. I've seen others saying it's fantastic. I don't have a Switch to try it, so you'll just have to dive in and see it yourself. But it is cool to see that it is happening, and hopefully they can continue to improve that service, especially since it seems like more of these games are coming, with Hitman 3 also going to be promoted and presented in that format. Uh, but I still ask the question, why not partner with somebody who has this down to a science? Microsoft and Nintendo already work pretty well together. We've seen this in the past. We have seen Minecraft come to Nintendo Switch in a pretty big way, and on top of that, Minecraft Dungeons as well, multi-platform title. Uh, so it's not like there is no communication here. Why not leverage the power of Project X Cloud, even if it's not something that's available on an Xbox hardware ecosystem, uh, and just make it the best experience they can on a Nintendo Switch? Because if you can get X Cloud running on a low-end Samsung phone or tablet, you can absolutely get uh, any of these games running incredibly well on a Nintendo Switch. So I wish there was some kind of hardware partnership, but I don't know what Nintendo has going on behind the scenes. Uh, so if any of this catches your fancy, that's everything talked about during the Mini Direct. Halo Infinite's lead has reportedly resigned. Say goodbye to Chris Lee. According to a recent report by Bloomberg, 343 Industries studio head of FPS development Chris Lee has resigned from the company. The resignation comes far ahead of Halo Infinite's launch, raising questions about the game's development and the road ahead. Quote, I have stepped back from Infinite and I'm looking forward to future opportunities, Lee said in a statement to Bloomberg. I believe in the team and am confident they will deliver a great game and now is a good time for me to step away, end quote. According to an email statement to Bloomberg, Lee is still working with Microsoft, just not on Halo Infinite. Chris Lee's departure comes as a massive surprise, but this is not the first time that major figures at 343 have departed the studio during Halo Infinite's development cycle. The game's original creative director, Tim Longo, left in 2019, and Halo Infinite's lead producer, Mary Olsen, left shortly thereafter. Additionally, Halo alum Joseph Staten recently signed on to the project as the project lead for the game's campaign in order to help ship the game. Also, Pierre Hintz was brought on to help with the game's multiplayer. According to Bloomberg, Lee's role with the project was sidelined at the same time, and it has remained that way leading up to his official departure from Halo Infinite. 
Considering this news has some right around, uh, excuse me, has come right around the time that Infinite would likely have hit shelves as a launch title for Series X and S, had it not been delayed, many are concerned about what's going on behind the scenes. Hopefully this change is what is best for everyone involved and for the development of Halo Infinite. Of course, the game is set to launch at some point in 2021 on the Series X and S and the Xbox One family of consoles as well as Windows 10 PCs. In the meantime, the Master Chief Collection will keep you warm through the winter. So, weird story here. I don't know the significance of Chris Lee when it comes to the actual development. As they report here at Windows Central, it seems that his position has kind of been sidelined during the development, uh, so perhaps this isn't as impactful as one might think, but ultimately, I don't believe that Halo Infinite will see the line of day until next Christmas. I think that holiday 2021 is when you are going to be seeing this game. Now, that is assuming they release it all together, uh, so campaign and multiplayer could potentially be released in separate chunks, uh, and so if that is the case, then that shifts the dynamic entirely. But ultimately, Chris Lee leaving and any kind of reorganization this late in the development of Halo Infinite does signal reason to be concerned, and I am concerned. I'm worried about the game because I love Halo. I have a deep passion for Halo. Over the summer, really over the past few months, Halo is pretty much the only game that I've been playing. I adore the Master Chief Collection. I love 343. I love Bungie. Uh, and I want them all to do well. But 343 has one more chance. They really have one more chance to get a Halo game right. If you look at Halo 4, it was great, don't get me wrong, but it didn't really capture fans in the same way that Halo 1, 2, 3, ODST, and Reach did. If you look at Halo 5, it's not even getting a next-gen upgrade. Take that for what you will. They need Halo Infinite to be the game that people wanted to be, because otherwise people begin really losing faith in the franchise. And so I think they're planning their steps very carefully. I think they're trying very diligently to make sure it's handled appropriately, and it seems like things are a little bit crazy over there right now. So I hope the best for the game. I hope the best for Chris Lee wherever he ends up, uh, and I hope that they do get this project back on track. And it sounds like this is something that is certainly working on that path. But speaking of Xbox, Game Pass is completely sustainable at its current price, according to Phil Spencer. Whilst chatting with the host of Drop Frames podcast, Phil Spencer chatted a little bit about the future of Xbox Game Pass after some developers have apparently questioned the long-term feasibility of Microsoft's subscription service. Quote, I'll be honest, there are developers that have some concerns about Game Pass, and my inbox is there, and I have conversations with a lot of these developers asking what are our real long-term goals, Spencer said on the podcast. You know, we get questions about, hey, is this just some kind of go secure a bunch of players and then rack the price up to a new level? Spencer goes on to negate consumers' fears by reiterating that Xbox Game Pass is completely sustainable at its current price. I say there is no plan for us to do anything like that, increasing the price. We like the value about Game Pass is today, or excuse me, we like the value that Game Pass is today, and from a business model, it is completely sustainable the way it is, and I mean that. Some consumers have been wondering about the price of the service since Xbox announced that it acquired Bethesda back in September. With more studios bringing their games to the service, some players thought that meant a price hike was inevitable. It is nice to see Spencer pour water on that theory. The upside of Xbox Game Pass is we can take more creative chances than we could at a pre-retail model allows, Spencer explained later in the podcast. We can go and greenlight games because we know we'll get millions of Game Pass players to engage and play the game. 
It was recently revealed that Xbox Game Pass has attracted 15 million subscribers and between convincing EA to come on board from November the 10th and adding cloud streaming at no additional charge, we expect that number to rise again. We could even be getting game streaming on PC via the service soon too. Uh, and so this is very, very, very relaxing for me because 15 bucks a month for Game Pass Ultimate is a steal. I talk about it every time I can because if you have an Xbox or even if you have a PC, it is the best option for you to get access to tons of games. Now, if you are somebody that just plays Fortnite or you just play Warzone or you just play a select handful of games, then it might not be the best bet. But if you do want to experience tons of different titles, it is a fantastic opportunity to save tons of money by being able to play tons of games for 15 bucks a month. And that includes access to Xbox Live as well. And so looking at the pricing of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, I don't think that it's going to be going up. And of course, Phil Spencer certainly did uh, kind of calm those concerns, but the value is there and it truly amazes me. But moving on to the PlayStation side of things, Sony's updated PlayStation app can manage your PS5 storage remotely. Sony is updating the PlayStation app just in time for November the 12th, of course, the release date of the PlayStation 5. On iOS and Android, the new software features a refreshed interface with a home screen that puts the focus on your friends and recently played games. What's more, you won't need to use a separate app to chat with people on your friends list, with Sony integrating the PS Messages experience directly into the new application. Speaking of the Messages app, the company is shutting it down as part of today's update, but don't worry, all of your current conversations will carry over to the PS app. In addition to text messages, the PS app now allows you to voice chat with up to 15 friends. It is worth noting here that it is uh, Sony mentioning it's collecting feedback on the party's changes that came with the re uh, recent PS4 8.0 update. We talked more about that big uh, issue a couple of weeks ago. Naturally, you will have the opportunity to browse and buy games from the store through the software and instruct your PS4 or 5 to start downloading a purchase remotely. That is something you could do through the PS Store previously, but on PS5, you'll also have the option to manage your console storage in case you need to free up space for a new game. With the PS5, the app will also allow you to remotely launch games as well. Today's update is something the PlayStation app sorely needed. It was starting to look dated and was missing features. It is hard to say how much utility people will get out of a phone app that allows them to manage their console, but if you're going to offer an app of this type, you best make it as compelling as possible. Uh, very cool, and for a good reason too, because you will have to free up a lot of space to download your new PlayStation Plus titles coming in November, including the first PS5 PlayStation Plus game. Next month is an extra special one for PlayStation Plus members. As we approach the launch of PlayStation 5, we are pleased to share more info about the PlayStation Plus collection along with your monthly PS4 games. Of course, let's get on to the games. The first free game for PS5 owners is Bugsnax. This is Young Horse's ultra-charming, whimsical first-person adventure. Play as an investigative journalist who has set out to explore Snacktooth Island, home to a legendary half-bug, half-snack creature family, Bugsnax. Discover, hunt, and capture all 100 critters while also tracking down and reuniting the island's inhabitants. Bugsnax, the PS5 version, will be available to PlayStation Plus members beginning on the Thursday, uh, November the 12th, until Monday, January the 4th of 2021. Then you have Middle-Earth Shadow of War and Hollow Knight Void Heart Edition coming out for the PlayStation 4 as well, if you do want to dive in and play those. And of course, these are both backward compatible on the PlayStation 5, and man, those graphics certainly do look last-gen, don't they? Now, of course, then you have the PlayStation Plus Collection, which we've talked about. You have 20 generation-defining games included with PlayStation Plus on PS5 at no additional cost. Of course, you have the entire list here. 
starting with Worldwide Studios, Bloodborne, Day is Gone, Detroit Become Human, God of War, Infamous Second Son, Ratchet and Clank, The Last Guardian, The Last of Us Remastered, Until Dawn, and Uncharted 4 A Thief's End. From third-party publishers and developers, Batman Arkham Knight, Battlefield 1, Call of Duty Black Ops 3 Zombies Chronicles Edition, Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, Fallout 4, Final Fantasy XV Royale Edition, Monster Hunter World, Mortal Kombat X, Persona 5, and Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. Now, of course, that is included as a PlayStation Plus benefit for PS5 owners if you did want to dive into any of those games, uh, but there are certainly some very, very big titles here, uh, and it is nice to see Sony coming out swinging with a very good month for PlayStation Plus subscribers. Uh, Bug Snacks is pretty much the biggest indie that's launching on the PlayStation 5, so it's cool to see you will be able to dive in on day one for free. And of course, I think the PlayStation Plus collection is something that is getting overlooked by a lot of people, because many of these games are getting next-gen enhancements. They have shown off what God of War is going to be capable of doing, and I am sure that more patches are in the works as well. Uh, but hopefully this is going to be able to fill out a catalog that's kind of lacking for this first launch cycle. Of course, you have big third-party games like Valhalla and Watch Dogs Legion, but ultimately, the first few months of the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X are going to be riding largely on these uh, big third-party games. So to be able to have this collection of free games included with Plus is going to add a lot of value to that proposition. But that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you enjoyed today's show, drop me a like down below and let me know what stories caught your eye today and how do you feel about AMD's new graphics card line. On top of that, what do you think about Nintendo and how do you feel about Halo Infinite's lead jumping ship from the studio? Would love to hear what you have to say. But until tomorrow, you guys have a fantastic rest of your day. I'll talk to you soon and peace.